Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. All right, Mercy Church, like I said in that video that recapped our five years, today is our fifth birthday, and we want to celebrate all together. In fact, here in our online service, we had this whole pyrotechnic thing planned, and then we looked at the budget and realized it's going to be a little bit different. So uh, Pastor Scott and then Charlie King, our worship director, are going to help us on the count of three. I'm going to say happy birthday, and they're going to fire the confetti cannons, and we're going to all celebrate together, all right? One, two, three. Three, happy birthday, Mercy Church. (laughs) Oh, man, man, happy birthday. Oh, y'all, planting this church and and being your pastor is both the greatest challenge and greatest joy I have experienced in ministry. The way I tell my uh, friends in ministry is that my heart is fuller and my hair is grayer as a result of being your pastor. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. And what I also want to do right here out at the start is just take a minute and honor the people that helped launch Mercy Church, our launch team members. Um, When we dreamed up planting Mercy, we had, I mean, just in all honesty, we had no idea if anybody else would be interested in this thing. Uh, We saw the need in Charlotte, but we just weren't sure if there were any Christians who would want to join in the effort. You know, church planting, because it's so hard and it's it's messy, some would say, a lot of of people would say, actually, you got to be a little bit crazy in order to, to do it. Well, by God's grace, there were some fellow crazies who were out there uh, willing to take a risk, and we asked them to commit, each one of them, to commit two years of their time, of their money, of their relational energy, to sacrifice it all to get this local church started called Mercy Church. About 80 people locked arm in arm together, and man, it was a huge step of faith to do this thing, a huge trust in the Lord to do it. And the Lord has blessed and honored and multiplied that faith. And I want to take a second and just honor our launch team members. So listen, I know it might be a little bit different because we're doing this online. You might even be listening to this a few days after our Sunday service, whatever it is. Listen, if you're a member of our launch team, I want you, I don't care if you're in your car right now, I want you to pull over on the side of the road and I want you to get out of your car and stand up because God's word says we are to outdo one another and showing honor and we want to take this moment to honor you so wherever you are living room on the bus in a coffee shop in your bedroom wherever you are I want you to stand right now and then everybody else wherever you are even if you're alone in your house because we want to honor people who are willing to take the risk of their whole lives to go plant a church to see the gospel advance I want you to join me in thanking these launch team members thank you so much for the work you've done. Woo! All right, thank you. You can sit down. You can get back off the side of the road into your car, everything else. Uh, Listen, you you have sacrificed, you have believed, and God has honored your faith. Now listen, 
I'm about to say something that's going to sound really cliche, but I just believe it down in the core of my bones, and that is that God has only just begun to work through us, Mercy Church. He's only just begun. See, today is a, a turning page kind of day. We are a different church than when we started a few years back. I used to joke at our launch team gatherings uh, that we were just kind of a, a construction site, right? Like everything was a little bit messy and it's not going to look flashy or, or even pretty, but we believe God is building something and, and we just were welcoming anyone who wanted to join in on that. During our first two years, we were getting started. I used to joke that Mercy Church is the best church you never heard of. <laughs> Just a, a band of brothers and sisters locking arm in arm to go after uh, people who are far from God and helping them find life in Christ. And listen, at five years old, we're just, we're not a toddler anymore, but we're also not grown up either. In fact, when you think about it, this is kind of cool, we're like a, a church kindergartner, all right? Which means we got our, our best years, our most fun years and everything ahead of us. Um, but on the flip side, we still have lots of learning. And at least we don't poop our pants as much as we used to, hopefully, you know. All right, metaphor aside. Here's the thing. How we move forward right now at this age in our ministry, it is paramount to who we're going to become long term. All right, turning page moments like these especially for a young, growing church in a growing population era, area, excuse me, and then especially in the COVID era where people's uh, sensitivities are heightened to the things that really matters, man, all of that brings massive opportunity for gospel impact. But there's a danger. Because see, we're just old enough and just big enough as a congregation to put our ministry into cruise control we could set our mission aside, acknowledge it, tip our hats to it, but by and large set it aside and just kind of get comfortable with the way things are. See, in the first years of a church, you're in survival mode. It's that first year because you got to make it, right? And you got to be focused and urgent about the mission of God, your very livelihoods at stake. But what ends up happening to a lot of churches is they get out of those early years, they make it, and they think, all right, we're good. And when they should be entering their most fruitful years, instead they enter their most comfortable years. And those that end up joining in join for the comforts that were highlighted. And those that join in never get to experience the fullness of God's calling on their lives because they're challenged to make disciples who will make disciples. They'll understand how they're wired and gifted for God's glory. And instead, you do that for about 20, 30 years you become a social club devoid of the gospel and God's mission. And what ends up happening is you see a landscape littered with empty church buildings that used to house the mission of God, then became a social club, and then died. Listen, my prayer for us as we turn the page is that we will approach the days ahead as a church who will take those year five resources— I'm talking about all of us, uh, the people that we have, I'm talking about facilities, talking about giving capacity that we have. And we will combine that with year one urgency, yeah. year one gospel urgency, which means I think I should say right here is actually a great time to, to press pause for a second <laughs> and to talk to those of you who are brand new to Mercy Church. All right. Um, I realize you may feel like you just walked into a birthday party of a family that you're not a part of. <laughs> and you're like, uh, this is cool and everything, nice pyrotechnics, but uh, 
Uh, what are you talking about? You know, um, l- let me talk for a second, okay? Uh, I believe, first and foremost, that you are not here right now by accident at all. All right, whatever series of events or conversations, invitations, whatever brought you here right now was on purpose by God himself. And our goal as a church is to help everyone who comes to our church figure out how God has wired them up to serve him. We want to see you raised up to be able to go make disciples of Jesus Christ because you yourself are being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. We want to help you figure out your purpose and your place in God's world. But I want to, that's like my long-range vision for you, all right? And it's for each person that comes in contact with Mercy Church. Let me tell you where that starts. Where that starts is just next weekend. We've got this little thing that we call Starting Point. It's a reception, an orientation of sorts that I host for just a few minutes, and some of our other leaders and pastors will be there. And we're just going to be explaining who Mercy Church is and what we're all about. And you can let us know right there, whether you're live with us 10 a.m. right here in the chat, or you're listening to this afterwards, you just want to log on to our website and let us know. We would love to get in touch with you and talk about what a next step might look like to connect to Mercy, all right? All right. That said, let's open up God's Word. The passage we're going to look at is one very familiar to uh, Mercy Church and, and to our story. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. It's 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. So flip through your New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through that New Testament, you're going to find 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. All right, I'm also going to have it for us. These two verses express the heartbeat of who we are and what we're about. Man, I feel like I need to pause just to breathe for a second. I'm so excited about what I'm about to share with you guys. Um, this, is, this passage, it's the one that inspired our name. I'm going to share that story with you. It's going to lay out the mission of the first church, the identity and the mission. Peter's going to say, okay, church, this is who you are, and this is why God put you here right now. Who you are and why God put you on planet Earth right now. Same thing is true for us. Same thing is true for you, even whether or not you're a part of Mercy Church. Same thing is true. You get, the, you get the will of God and the purpose of God for your life right here in these two verses today. This is awesome. All right, I'm going to read it for you. Then we're going to get after it, just unpack it, see what God is saying to us. Okay, here we go. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Oh, it's so good. So that, there's a purpose, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You can hear our namesake in that in that verse, there's so much in here. In these two verses, we see the Apostle Peter tell the first century church why God saved them and brought them together as a church to exist in their community where they were living. In these communities that they were living in that were filled with people of all different backgrounds and beliefs. And I believe that this gospel people for a gospel mission identity is still our calling today. So as we celebrate our fifth birthday... What I want to do is tighten up our focus on who we are and why God put us here, our identity and our mission. 
And again, if you're new, if not even a part of this church, it still applies to you because it's a truth for every person created in the image of God. And Peter gives, so here's what we're going to do. Starting in verse 9, just right out of the gate, Peter gives these identities that set up the one thing that we're called to make our whole lives about. So if you will, let me walk you through these because they're going to inform what we do. Of course it's true. Who we are always informs what we do, even why we do what we do. Just like Panthers play football because they're a football team and Chick-fil-A makes chicken and trees make leaves. It's what they are defines what they do. The same is true for people. All right, your identity informs your purpose. So let's look at these identities uh, real quick. It's so good. We'll start right there at the beginning. Just walk through them. You're a chosen race. I want to talk about both words. You're chosen. Can we pause for a minute and just praise God that in his love for you, while you were still a sinner, he died for you and he chose you. That despite your rejection of him and my rejection of him, he directed the full power and reach of his love towards you. He softened your heart towards him, if indeed you are a follower of Christ, and he brought you back to himself. Man, that's one of the mysterious, beautiful truths of the gospel, that God chose to send his son to die for us because he chose to make things right between us when we couldn't. Man, listen, almost every weekend when we gather together as a church, and it's been true even during the COVID era where we couldn't gather physically and we were only online, there is somebody that just needs to hear God loves you and God wants you. He wants you. You may not feel wanted. You may not feel loved. You might feel like your life is a wreck, like you got all kinds of skeletons. God sees all of that and he wants you. That's a truth so profound. You might just really be struggling to believe that. And I just want to believe it on your behalf right now. He wants you. And then look at that word race. You're a chosen race. Because the you is plural, by the way. All of these yous are plural. We in the South have a great word for that. It's y'all, all right? The way that should be English translation is y'all are a chosen race, all right? It's, it's the word that God used in Exodus to talk about a single people group, the nation of Israel. But now, Christ has done something incredible. He has brought down the dividing wall of hostility that existed between races, Ephesians 2.11 says. And to display how great the hope of Christ is for all peoples, he created a new race by gathering people from every race together and giving them a very different, deeper unity in Christ than they had in their race of origin. So now the church is this multicultural tapestry of God's love on display in our world. And the new race is this spiritual race. What you see in the spiritual realm is two races, the redeemed and the unredeemed. But in the redeemed race, it is made visible by the local church because it exists of people from all races, all cultures of origin coming together, bound up in something deeper, which is the blood of Christ. And they're now a family together. And y'all... In a culture of such insane hostility right now, how timely is it that God has chosen us, Mercy Church, to be a new race together in Christ? Loving one another, serving side by side, making the world kind of tilt its head to the side and say, why are all of them together? 
Like, that doesn't make sense. Now, in doing so, we do not leave behind our ethnic heritage. Instead, what we do is we celebrate the redemptive work of Christ in each one of our cultures as we gather together as a new race. And in doing so, we experience more of the fullness of God and the character of God together as this new spiritual race than we ever would apart. It's an incredibly beautiful, powerful thing. See, in the gospel, I'm not only reconciled to God, which is what I need. I need reconciliation to God. That's what I have in Christ. But God also reconciles me to others, not just people of my own culture. I now have the power to forgive anyone and to be reconciled to anyone because I can tap into the forgiveness of Christ and I can give that away because I'm fully secure in the forgiveness of Christ and the peace of Christ. I'm healed by Christ. So now I can go to that work and actually find reconciliation with others in my culture. But also I'm reconciled to people who are in Christ from other cultures. Right? So I'm reconciled to my African-American, to my African, Latino, Middle Eastern, Asian brothers and sisters. You can keep going on in the list of cultures. And y'all, I've experienced the beauty of that, even in Mercy Church in our short history. I think of our African families that are here in Mercy Church. And man, they have been such a sweet gift of God's grace to me because there's a warmth in their hospitality and in their presence that makes me think, this is what the welcoming will feel like when I enter heaven. When I hear God say, may his face shine upon you and give you peace, I experience that character of God in our African families, in our church. And I could keep going with how I experience the communal family nature of the church and our Latino families that are a part of our church in a way that I never experienced it in my own culture. God redeems different cultures, and when we come together, we experience more of God together. Because I'm brought into this new race. This is the global, redeemed people of God that I'm welcomed into. And in his grace, he's allowed me to stand among his people and experience more of him through his people. Y'all, may God give us as a church more of more and more of the beauty of experiencing the fullness of God as we embrace one another under the banner of unity in Christ. See, the more cultures that make up our church, the more cultures that make up our church, while unified as this new redeemed spiritual race together, the more of God we get. Now, let me say this. I'm not talking about uniformity. I'm not talking about a whole bunch of people from a bunch of different cultures assimilating into one majority culture. No, no, no. That's assimilation and uniformity. We don't get more of God that way. We get more of God as we are unified together, bringing our cultures of origin in, redeemed by God's grace, and then we see more of God as we walk together in Christ. That's unity. That's that's harder, all right? There's not as many playbooks for that, but it's worth it. Because who wouldn't want more of God? Right, right. Right? Who wouldn't want more of that? That's the unity that our society is trying to find apart from Christ and can't find it. They can't find it, but we have it. Christ has already, by the way, he's already made the way for it. We just have to embrace it and receive it. That's our work. Oh, that's just, that's just chosen race. Here, let's go to the next one. There's so much more good here. We are a royal priesthood. Now look at this. Normally these two terms would be separated, right? You, you had kings and then you had priests. But God puts them together and says, this is what the church is. A royal priest, priesthood, a bunch of royal priests. 
he's tapping back into the, the line of David. Like King David was one who was a royal priest. He was the king who also spoke to God on behalf of the people and spoke to people on behalf of God, right? And then it was said, 2 Samuel 7 is going to say, one's going to come from David. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. Who's going to be in David's line that is going to do the same thing, but he's going to do it in full, and that was Jesus who comes from the line of David. So the line, and then Jesus goes and he says, I am going to send you to do the works, uh, to do greater works than even me. You're going to be the one that goes out to the mission when I go to be with the Father. And then he says, my presence is going to be with you. So we are walking, as we walk as a church, we're walking in the line of David, and more importantly, Jesus. A priest is one who talks to God on behalf of their people, and then talks to their people on behalf of God. And we're royal because our God is not a God among gods. Right? No. Our God is the one true king who rules over the world. And look, I want to say, for those of you coming out of a, particularly, I think for those of you coming out of a Catholic background, this wording is probably impacting you. I bet hitting you a little different than the rest. Um, because I hear the lead pastor of Mercy Church, I'm not your priest. And that's because of this passage right here. See, if you are a Christian, then you are the temple of God's Holy Spirit, and you are the priest. And I am one with you. Actually, my role would be best described as a pastor of priests. People who are, all together, talking to God for the people, and then talking to the people for God. Can you imagine if each one of us in the church woke up each morning thinking like that? See, what Charlotte needs right now, our, our community, is not just several hundred people making up another local church. No, Charlotte needs several hundred priests united in prayer to God on its behalf and then going and ministering to the people as God has commissioned us to. Y'all, that's not pie-in-the-sky ambition. That is God-given identity. Y'all, I see this in our college ministry led by Pastor Scott. Man, they pray for students. They go to God on behalf of students, and then they go talk to students about God. They go share the gospel with them. It's simple. It's a simple model. Pray, share. <laughs> it's powerful. And this is who we are, and God is moving among them in an incredible way. I don't want to see that in the rest of our church. Look, next one, holy nation. We are chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. There's so much here. Holy means set apart. God called his people to be altogether distinct from the world. It means there's something distinctly different about this nation of nations that is embedded into this certain time and place. Our distinction is not in our ethnicity because we're so diverse, not in our socioeconomic background, we're diverse there too, not in our political affiliation because we're diverse there too. In fact, strangely diverse in all those ways. How are we distinct? The way all of its people joyfully give themselves to the ways of God. So the one visible unifying thread, the visible thread, is holiness. And that makes it different than any other culture. Because we have received God's mercy. Because we have received God's mercy, we're going to land the plane in that in just a second. Because we have received his mercy, we gladly follow his law. And this group of people loving each other, devoting themselves together to God, that is what makes God visible to a dark and weary world. He finishes like this. You're a people for his own possession. We together. We are a people for his own possession. Let me say it this way. 
Mercy Church is not Pastor Spence's church. It's not anybody else's church. The church belongs to God. We belong to God. We are God's possession. We're his. That's why Romans 5 says you were bought with a price. He bought us. We are his. So yes, you have great responsibility. You are a priest, but you're a priest in God's kingdom. You're not the king. He is. So he sets the agenda. But he has invited us to play a really life-giving part in his agenda, in his kingdom. Isn't that awesome? A people who belong to God together, then at God's disposal to use however he sees fit. And then here's what he says we're supposed to do. Second half of verse 9. All those identities so that there's our purpose in life. College student, you're wondering what the will of God is for your life. It's right here. Parents of high schoolers, you're, you're busier than ever, ever than you ever thought possible. But there's also this thing running in the background going, is this all worth it? What, am, I giving, am I just letting life pass me by? Am I going to wake up, be 60, and think what's happened? Two grandparents who maybe have woken up and are wondering what's next. Listen, I believe your most fruitful years of life are just ahead of you if you'll understand your purpose. It's all right here. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. He says that simple, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Here's why you exist to glorify God in a dark and weary world. That is your calling on life. That is what God has created and commissioned you for. This is the core purpose of all who trust Christ for salvation, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What a calling. Worship. In a word, that's what it is. Worship. Glorify God. This proclaiming happens in two directions happens vertically, which use simple directional language, vertically towards God, and then horizontally towards the world. But listen, first, you worship God. This is kind of, think about this for a second. Think about the wording. You proclaim God's excellencies. Your translation might say miracles or, or something like that, or great, the great things. You proclaim those things first back to God. I want you to think about this for a second. Our corporate gathering together, our worship service, our singing, our drawing attention to God's word, this activity we engage in each week, this is the one thing we will still do in eternity, right? Revelation 5 tells me that when we're around the throne, we will be singing together, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy to receive blessing and honor, glory and power. Revelation 19 tells me that we're gathered around the throne singing, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. This is what we're about. We're practicing for eternity. We're giving ourselves to the only things that matter. Because I'll tell you, what you worship here is the sole decider of how you will spend eternity. What you worship, everybody worships something. We're created to worship. What you worship here will determine your eternity. If you worship anything other than God and his son, Jesus Christ, you have no place in heaven. You wouldn't want to be there because that's for Jesus worshipers. In fact, listen to me. This is why our first and main value as a church is that we keep the gospel at the center of all we do. Do you know why we're a gospel-centered church? It's because heaven is a gospel-centered kingdom. And so we're practicing here, we're rehearsing here, we're devoting our hearts here to the one thing that's going to matter in eternity. And nothing else matters. 
But here's the really cool thing. As you worship the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, it's not just practice for heaven. Your worship of God is actually what feeds your own soul. Worship is not, this is fascinating to me, it's not just a one-way activity. As you worship God, think about this. God doesn't like get stronger because you fill him up with your praises, right? He's already full and complete. He doesn't need your worship. This is what makes God very different than you and I, right? If you praise me, it fills me up. Hey man, great job. I'm like, ah, I feel better, right? I feel filled up. But when you praise God, listen, God doesn't get filled up. You get filled up because worship is the fuel that you were meant to run on. And the reason some of you are tired and bitter is because your worship has been directed to things that your life wasn't meant to run on. So if you will turn your worship back to Jesus, abide in his love, worship him, he will fill your soul. And like Psalm 16 says, your heart will be glad and your whole being will rejoice. So if you're tired right now, worship. If you're anxious, worship. If you're bitter, worship. If you're angry, worship. Worship your way out and see if God doesn't fill your heart. See, that's the vertical. But we don't just proclaim his excellencies back to him. We proclaim him to others. This is the mission Mercy Church is here for, to be a gospel-proclaiming church. God, in his sovereign plan, has seen fit to use us, to invite us to be participants in his plan of salvation. People are the agents of gospel advancement to other people. That's how he's wired it up. And Charlotte needs a church that will not be silent on that, but that will proclaim the gospel to people that haven't heard it yet and haven't believed it yet. You know, in the past 30 years, population growth has outpaced church growth by 46% in Charlotte. So for a generation, we've lagged behind not just overall population, but population growth by almost 50%. But we have a God-powered mission, and we got a ripe mission field. All we got to do is proclaim right now, in this moment, is not the time to circle the wagons and protect ourselves. Right now is the time to step out in bold faith and proclaim the glory of God, the hope of Christ to a dark and weary world. Listen, stepping out, I just don't say this, I don't know, to to sound like, uh, I just want to give you my own story with this. And it's implanting Mercy Church. That was hard. I was pretty comfortable in my job. And I loved my community. I was challenged in my job and comfortable in my job. And I'm not the hero in this story, nor I'm, again, I'm not alone. Our whole launch team took this step. What I'm telling you here is that out there in that unknown space of going and risking it all, I mean, like, I don't know if this thing's going to work, but God, I feel like I'm following you where you're calling me to go and proclaim. And out there in that space where you're just trusting and proclaiming, Man, God does something through you as he works in you. Man, I did this. I wanted to see people come to know Jesus. That's every launch team member did that. But in the process of stepping out and sharing Christ, what happened is God drew me a lot closer to himself. Right? Because worship's not a two-way, not a one-way thing. It's a two-way thing. He has changed me for the better through trusting him and proclaiming the gospel. And it's true for so many others as well. And listen, oh, listen to verse 10. Lest you think our calling is based on our ability. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Why? See, once you had not received, received. 
Not once you had not built for yourself. Not once you had not made your own way. Not once you, had cleaned your, you hadn't cleaned yourself up yet. No, no, no. Once you had not received. <laughs> received. You're not the actor. Once you had not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. Y'all, this is life-altering for me. I, I never get over it. And the reason why is because it's so counterintuitive to my way of thinking. Every personality test I've ever done says I'm an achiever, I'm a driver, I want to succeed, and I want everybody to celebrate my achievements. That's uh, just personality-wise. And, and that's good. We need those people in the world. We don't need too many of them, right? Because we're exhausting to be friends with and work with, I know. <laughs> but we do need them. But here's why this is so powerful, that this word mercy is so powerful as an identifier for me because it, when it comes to the one thing that matters most, my standing with God, my eternity, I can't do anything. I, I can't do it. I can't achieve it. I can't be moral enough to make God love me. I can't be generous enough to make God love me. I can't build a big enough church to make God love me. Why? Because God refuses to let me get glory. He says instead, what gives me access to his love is not what I do for him, but instead what he's already done for me. (laughs) It's 100% mercy. Charlie King put up an email thread. He's part of our launch team. And uh, from back in October 2014, we were trying to name this church we were trying to start. Um, Redeemer City, King's Church. Northtown Church, People's Church, they weren't all winners, some of them better than others, but, um, but I couldn't get away from 1 Peter 2.10. I couldn't get away from it, y'all. So I called my buddy Andrew, who pastors Mercy Hill Church just down the road, a dear friend, and I said, man, I know you planted Mercy Hill, very similar name, just like three years ago, but I think I got to name this church. We got to go with this name, Mercy because this word, and Andrew's like, yeah, dude, go get him, because he's awesome. And Andrew, if you get this, you're the man. But look, this word, mercy, this is God's stamp on my heart that he, and not me, will get glory in my life. And that's the belief of every Christian. We exist to glorify God in a dark and weary world. We are mercy church because we have received the mercy of God in the salvation of Jesus Christ. And you can receive it today, too. It is here for you. Two responses today. The first is believe the gospel. It's as simple as believing that is not what you can do for God. Don't clean yourself up first. No. You believe not in what you do for him, but what he has already done for you in Christ. He went to the cross as a payment for your sin. You deserve death for it. We all did. He went to the cross as a payment for your sin. He died in your place. He rose from the grave, defeating death, and offers you forgiveness from your sin and new life in Christ. And all you have to do is say, yes, God, I receive it. I receive it right now. And in professing belief, the next step you need to take is to get baptized. You need to let us know, yes, I'm believing. Today, I'm believing. Yes, I want to receive forgiveness. I'm receiving Christ's forgiveness. And the next step God calls you to take is to be baptized, to go down into that water, symbolically dying with Jesus, and then being raised out, symbolizing the new life you have with him. And we will help you. You Just let us know, and we will help you take that step. But listen to, to all of us. 
believing the gospel isn't just, maybe it's for the first time for you, but maybe it's, man, it's maybe just coming back to your first love. Believing the gospel again today and choosing yes. Maybe you have drifted and you've been directing your worship to other things. You've been feeling empty because of, you know, you would say you've been walking with Christ for a long time, say you're a Christian for a long time, redirect your heart back to him, receive from him today. Receive his love. Build your life by abiding, John 15, 9, abiding in his love. And the second thing, listen, you need to join the mission. You need to join it. We proclaim the excellencies together. You need to join in on God's calling Listen, if you're here in Charlotte, maybe you've been around Mercy for a while, you need to join in with us, all right? If not with Mercy, join somewhere, and we'll help you find a church for you to join in if it's not this one. But you need to step off the sidelines. There are no spectators in God's kingdom because God has a purpose for you, and that's to proclaim the excellencies of him and to do so together, locked arm in arm with the local church. You join in with us. That's why I told you about that starting point, these other things. It's because we don't want you to sit on the sidelines because there are no actual sidelines in the kingdom of God. He's got something for you. A plan that he's already laid out. Good works, Ephesians 2 says, it's by grace you have been saved. And then he has created you for good, walks, good works that you can walk in. I want to help you figure that out together. Let me pray for you as we celebrate the greatness of our God and our salvation. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this I mean, majestic calling that we definitely cannot walk in in our own strength. But wow, you you have supplied us with the Holy Spirit. You have supplied us with forgiveness in Christ. You supplied us with a Father who continues to show us grace when we fall short. God, we worship you for this grace. We center our hearts again today on it. Thank you, Jesus, for your saving love. Thank you for your spirit within us. Thank you for the hope of heaven. May we as a church, until you come back, may we exist for the glory of God in this dark and weary world. We love you. We worship you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen.